Hey, Andy's not here. It's Black Friday, everybody. 33% off. Hey, yeah, very good. Yeah, I think I think we should start with that because then that what that will do is make him look like an idiot. Yeah, because he's going to come in trying to be funny with that joke. Uh, and, you know, he's not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and frankly, with the size of him, it's more like fifty percent off. Yeah, but if you if you if you think about actual contribution to the show, it's more like five percent. Yeah, true. So not such a good deal after all. No, no, it's like most of these deals; they look good on paper, but. In reality, not all what it's cracked up to be. You're listening to the Host Unknown Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you are. And welcome to this special Black Friday episode of Host Unknown with... Well, either 5%, 50%, or 33% off, whichever way you look at it. Um, oh, is this, is this ah. Andy? We can oh, okay. hear now. So, yeah, right. It's like that, is it? I, I see yeah. the red lights already on. Yeah. Did, did you yeah. at least do a gag about it being Black Friday and how you were uh, doing 33% off? Uh, we, actually, we actually said 50% off. <laughs> Jav reckoned top, it was 5 Because uh, I'm the sole founder, right? Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Anyway, now we've got Andy here with a cup of tea in his hand. Andy, how the devil are you? Uh, not too bad. I was, uh, I was just, well, prior to getting my tea, I was um, bemoaning the lack of Black Friday uh, bargains that are out there today. Yeah, that's true. Not much uh, Not much Apple kit is is on Black Friday in the UK anyway. No, or well, nothing uh, worth it. I think you can get, uh, the, the best I've seen is £20 off an iPad, um, but that's not via Apple. Uh, well, I got I got a free um, MacBook Pro delivered to me this morning. You and your freebies. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Jeff, how are you, sir? Um, not. I feel um, angry this morning. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I went for a walk. Did you look in the, in the mirror and just get angry, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's 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 causing said anger, Joe? I, I, I felt uh, I, I was um, verbally attacked by a lady in the park this morning. Um, what? So, Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. So I went for a walk in the morning, and uh, what just did a brief walk. It, it was cool. now, so what I do, I do is a loop around the park. So people that are doing a loop the opposite way, you you pass them twice. So one, once when you're going there, and then when on the way back. Um, so I was walking. And there's a lady, she might have been in her 40s, and she was jogging the opposite direction. So we just pass each other and, you know, just sort of like, you know, like in the morning, people are a bit more friendly. You sort of like give a little nod or, or what have you. But, you know, we just Morning. made eye contact. Anyway, she ran on. I went round the loop and I was at the top end and my right knee started giving up and I was just walking. Uh, this this just one of those issues. Right. You're not going to say you were walking around following her whilst rubbing the top of your... No, 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 nothing <laughs> okay. like that. Nothing inappropriate, nothing inappropriate. And my knee, you know when it just feels like it's about to, it needs a click, but the click is stuck? And Andy, uh, are you hearing a joke on its way? <laughs> There's a long setup. There is a long there, setup. This is a long setup, but do go on, Jan. No, go on. This, is, this is dead straight. So I got to the top and then... Um, so I stop on the side, there's grass verge and there's a bench there. So I'm holding onto the bench, trying, like, working my knee, like, gently, just hoping that I, I don't hurt myself more because it's happened in the past where, uh, you know, Paulson. And anyway, I'm there 
trying to like do my knee and, and she comes running past again. So she comes running past and we make eye contact and she sort of like half smiles and she says, morning. And to you, it might seem like she was just saying good morning, but I know exactly what she was saying. She was saying, look at you. You're, you, you look like you might be younger than me and you've got like an old man knee. You can't run. You're fucked up. And I got so offended by that. I, if I could, I would have kicked her dog. But, you know, my leg was messed up. But yeah, so I'm, I'm really upset this morning. That's but, a terrible joke. It's not well, a joke. It's reality. <laughs> it's reality. What happened? It just, you know, when you see people who are older than you that are still running around, hopping around like, well, you know. Uh, hold on, Jeff. Uh, hold on a minute here because you clearly said that she looked like she's in her 40s. Late now. 40s. Late 40s. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so someone um, in your age. Did you get group. a number? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, Tom likes him younger. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, I said she was in her 40s. She's way too young for you. Half your age plus seven, that's cool. Like I said, she's way too young for you. <laughs> oh, but dear. How's, uh, other than a free MacBook, Tom, anything else happening this week? Any news? Um, well, not news. Been doing um, client work. I had uh, a, a, a long week of client work, which was... Uh, very, very good, actually. I uh, had the f- sort of penultimate client call this morning, very happy client, and presenting to their leadership this afternoon, which is good, uh, but they're, they're happy with it. So, yes, lots of late nights this week. Um, diet went uh, for a Burton as I snaffled chocolate and biscuits at sort of like half past 11, midnight, um, for the last three nights to try and keep myself going. Is that not normal? Uh, but, but, yeah, that's it, really. Pretty, pretty, pretty normal week at TL2 Towers. Yes. Yes. Right. Well, on with the show, hey? Um, what have we got for you this week? Uh, the uh, This Week in Infosec, the not-so-new feature. Uh, tweet of the Week, Billy Big Balls, Rant of the Week. And will we have a, a little people today? Oh, and also industry news, of course. Um, huge so, if true. Uh, huge if true. Will we have a little people today, Jav? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe. If we have time. Wow, maybe. That's the most committed you've been about the little people for a long, long time. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Andy, if you are ready, I think we should move on to this week's... This Week in InfoSec. So this is a stroll down memory lane, uh, liberating uh, content from the Today in InfoSec Twitter account. Um, Good recovery. So, yeah, lost my thought. I looked out the window and I got uh, got very thoughtful and just lost myself there for a Was there a, a squirrel? Did you see a squirrel? <laughs> so uh, first we're going to go back 12 years. Um, and this is the story of the Conficker worm. Uh, when it was first discovered, and it quickly spread uh, by exploiting a vulnerability, uh, you know, which, as with most vulnerabilities, uh, was patched approximately a month prior to that. Um, Now, at the time, this was the biggest worm that we had seen. Um, And there's a lot of great stuff with Conficker uh, in terms of it it was planning to do something. Um, you know, it was going to get new instructions uh, on 1st of April. And everyone was sort of waiting, like, what's this going to do? What are all these millions of machines that have been infected? What instructions are they going to receive on the 1st of April? Um, and it, to be honest, it was a complete anticlimax. 
um, <laughs> because nothing nothing actually happened. Um, but uh, yeah, this was a, a worm that I remember uh, personally in the office I was working at the time. You know, we our patch management was you know mere. Uh, you know, so I'll say ad hoc was probably the uh, the best way of uh, stating it. Um, you know, we'd have a process and sort of push out the uh, Windows updates once a month. But um, you know, we thought we were pretty, you know, pretty safe from this type of thing. Everyone had their AV installed, um, and it actually got us via a third party that we used, a third-party development house who had access to our instant messaging systems. Um, And all of a sudden, yeah, we we just had these links pop up. Uh, Everyone sort of received these links at the same time and straight away, you know, you could see it and it was like, oh, because, you know, it's got PHP ending on it as well. And it was like, don't click that link. But it's too late. I mean, you know, (laughs) half the company had already clicked it. Um, But a good lesson in patch management. And this is, uh, you know, it's far, only 12 years ago. So it probably should have been a bit more mature uh, at that time. 12 years ago. But, wow. uh, yeah, we were very agile. So, you know, patching sort of took a backseat to delivery. 12 years ago, agile meant you had no policies, procedures, documents, anything like that. You just did what was required. And a lot of the time today, that still means the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so second story, and this is one that I recall from my childhood. This was about... Oh, I like um, this one. Yeah, it was really sort of uh, popular. So this is taking us back to 1987, 22nd of November, 1987. Um, Chicago TV stations had their signals overridden in two separate incidents by a man in a Max Headroom mask. And what I absolutely love about this, and there is a link in the show notes to this, to, you know, what actually happened. Uh, just in the middle of Doctor Who in 1987, imagine you're watching TV and all of a was sudden... Was that Sylvester McCoy? Because uh, if it was, it was probably a welcome break. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> was McCoy in 87? I don't know. It's, I was still a youngster at this time, Tom, so, you know, I'll have to defer oh, to okay. your superior knowledge watching it in real time. I might have been um, William Hartnell, I don't know. Right, but, uh, I mean, it's just the craziest thing. Um, this this person just came online, um, you know, talked garbage, um, pulled his trousers down and got spanked by a woman and then just disappeared. So they had literally intercepted the TV signals, um, you know, broadcast this stuff. And what I absolutely love about this story is the fact that no one was ever caught for it. Yeah, And, you know, to me, this is the ultimate. Like, you see some really intelligent people. They pull off some amazing hacks, but because they are so arrogant and they want the kudos and, you know, it's so ego-driven <laughs> that they have to tell people what they've done, whereas this person has pulled off the ultimate and only he knows about it. You know, and to me, that is or she. just... Or she. Or she, obviously, but I think it, it definitely uh, sounded like... a. Uh, you know, a male voice, and the, the backside certainly resembled that of a um, uh, a 1987 male. Um, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I defer to your expertise on backsides. <laughs> male backside specifically. Was, was was that the second incident then? <laughs> so, uh, did you did, have you watched this uh, video? Have you seen uh, you know what actually happened at the time? I watched it years ago, years ago, but it was almost unwatchable in a sense. Yeah, I mean, it it was pretty painful to watch because it was so unstructured. 
Um, yeah. And I think this is the, the greatest thing is what it was sort of like, you know, pre-recorded. And if you think back in 1987, it's not like you had everything on your PC uh, and you sort of cut, oh, let's take two seconds off the beginning. Let's drop this part, you know, splice. This is probably videotape, right? Yeah, this would have been like, you know, camcorder at best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and if you wanted to do fancy editing, you sort of had to rewind and pause really skillfully to get the part that you want to record over. Um so definitely a, a great uh, trip down memory lane on that Max Headphone yeah. one. Uh, and the final story I was going to talk about, I know we only do two normally, uh, but I've been sort of slipping in a third. And this was a mere six years ago, 24th of November 2014, um, where the Washington Post published an article which included a picture of TSA master keys. Uh, and this is oh, the, yes. uh, the US TSA. And yes. the reason I just want to remind us about this is... Um, you know, this is all for in, in the world of 3D printing, you know, sort of six years ago, what are the possibilities for us? To me, this is almost as like the, um, you know, what the TJ Maxx breach was to the PCI industry. You know, th- this was a real warning up front for the misuse of 3D printers. Uh, and I know we covered a story last week about a guy making, um, you know, hooks. Uh, disguised as uh, uh, or items disguised as hooks that can turn semi-automatic guns into auto, fully automatic. Um, but you know, just that mere six years ago, I remember someone just paused that or, or took that photo and then just used it to create their own master keys. Uh, absolutely fantastic. So, but there's a service. Um, that, I've not seen them in in real life, but I, I know they exist where you can take a photo of your house key. And upload it, and it will cut the key in the machine. Basically, it will cut the key and drop it out to you. Yeah, yeah. All there is a service that does that. Yeah, and, and actually, I, I went to B and Q the other day. They've got these uh, vending machines that do the same as well. They just well, you actually put your key in there, but it just scans it and it and it. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. But but actually, on on this same one, this was in 2014. I'm sure it was around the same time, or maybe a year later. There was also the master keys for New York's. Uh, the Feynman keys were also yes. found. They were being sold online. But that was wasn't that taken from a uh, TV image or something? A board, oh that wasn't a, an article. I thought that was someone was on I, TV with the I keys. Can't remember, I, I can't remember. I, I know that I think someone found that they were being sold on eBay for like a tenner or something, and they got you into every single uh, you know elevators in in, in New York, basically. So handy, yeah, handy. If you ever want to stop a um, a, a lift halfway between floors, like they do in films, which yeah. you can't do at yeah. all, just so you can have that really important conversation with your coworker before that, <laughs> yeah. before the dramatic part where you restart it, and uh, yeah, and there's no one waiting for the lift either when you get <laughs> no. to your destination. Yeah, it's fun. Well, I think it would be really interesting to like start up like because you know the elevator pitch. They, it doesn't have to be 30 seconds. You just stop, <laughs> stop the key in. Stop the lift they, they and take as long as you want. <laughs> that's how they should have marketed that key. <laughs> Can't cut down your elevator pitch for just $10. You can buy. <laughs> buy more time. <laughs> you can buy more time. Boom. Oh, it ties in nicely with Doctor Who, the time key. Oh, dear. excellent. Thank you very much. That was... That was uh, Really interesting and, um, yeah, blimey. I'd forgotten about a couple of those things. Thanks, Andy. This week in InfoSec. Oh, dear.
right. Um, so why don't we move straight on? I think we should because I think we've got quite a doozy here for for tweet of the week, and uh, and it's me. Even better. So let's move straight on to tweet of the week. So this week's tweet of the week came from Jeff Belknap. Um, actor Jeff Belknap. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, don't know if this is actually an original or a or ripped off from somebody. You never know these days. Uh, <laughs> it's it so people... harsh that that suspicion is out there. That, I know, uh, yeah. and you know, there's one person we blame for this, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, which we who we may mention later on. In fact, why don't we get one of his as a tweet of the week later? Uh, so his tweet was: I can't vacuum because US East US East one is down. Uh, and for those that don't know, US East One is the AWS Amazon Web Servers uh, East Coast web um, uh, site. So, yes, they had uh, an outage. Amazon's web infrastructure had an outage along the, in the East Coast area, which left smart home enthusiasts unable to use basic household items. So, like, for instance, uh, doorbells, and in this case, not a handheld vacuum cleaner, as many of you might be thinking, uh, but a Roomba, a Roomba robot vacuum. Uh, and that's a problem. You know, if you're going to get a robot vacuum, get a dumb one like mine, because, you know, mine just bumps into everything and is, you know, just gets in the way every single time. Whereas the smart ones that map their way around, they rely on a connection uh, back to back home to where the servers are. In this case, US. Yeah, guys, second time I've done it. US East One, um, in order to you know process the uh, the map they hold internally, and without that, they don't work. So poor old Jeff was knee deep in dust in his in his uh, <laughs> New, New York apartment. Um, completely unable to crack out a handheld vacuum cleaner, which, to be frank, was my initial response to this, uh, because uh, the Amazon Web Services were were offline. But it does give a um, – it is an interesting thing in that, you know, we talk about um, – I've just been with a client this week, and we've had to, you know, look at things like uh, incident management and business continuity processes and procedures – um, we're going to have to start drawing some up for a home, aren't we? You know, so next time AWS goes down and we can't vacuum, we can't brush our teeth, we can't what, open What are your contingency plans? What are your contingency plans? Yeah. Now, most people's are go to Starbucks and use the Wi-Fi there, but you can't exactly vacuum your living room from Starbucks, can you? So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it really does give rise to the thought of, you know, where is the redundancy? Um, because those sites, US East One, for instance, is hugely redundant, except I presume for the pipes that go in and out of it, which must have been the thing that went wrong uh, at the end of the day. So, yeah, fascinating yeah. stuff. I mean, it's uh, so what I didn't realize was that these things were so dependent on that constant connectivity. So, I don't it, think they all are, in fact. No, so, so the ones with iRobot, and there was something else. Um, you know, I mean, someone else did a similar tweet at the time. It says, uh, you know, my effing doorbell doesn't work because AWS is having issues. Um, but, you know, with that that uh, vacuum cleaner, so that's literally mapping out your house and sending those details back to Amazon, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I guess. Oh, or, sorry, not Amazon directly, the, the company that no, uh, no, is hosted out of there. But yeah, either that or it's using it as a um, as the brain, for want of a better term, to work out where to go. I don't know, but it seems weird. I mean, my my vacuum cleaner just basically goes around in random, like a like a dog on steroids. Yeah. Um, you know, and eventually through a process of elimination over a couple of weeks, it's pretty much covered the entire flat. You know. But um, others are a bit more intelligent. Uh, so, for instance, I know you can say, uh, "Hey Google, tell tell my vacuum to to sweep under my kitchen table, and it will know where your kitchen table is." You know right. that sort of thing. You know, but um, but yeah, it's the, the amount of data. And again, I think it's only through things like this that you realise quite how much data is going backwards and forwards, right? Yeah, yeah. and I believe a uh, down detector was um, an impacted website as well. So oh, people- the irony! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you're going to really struggle. You know, the first you realise that there's problems uh, is because your doorbell doesn't work, not because uh, you could look it up and hear about it. But but a terrible failover, right? There should be, you know, it, there should be a, you know, a fail functionally concept. Yeah. Do you know oh, what wow. I mean? Like, if, if you can't get connection... Um, then fail to dumb mode, fail to, you know, yeah. well, press it's, a button it's the old and fail make open, a noise. isn't it? In security terms, like the uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, if someone's trapped in a room, uh, yes. sort of, you know, when, when the argonite gas is going off, which you're not allowed to use anymore, you know, make yeah. sure the doors fail open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? What's really interesting? So about a year ago, there's a there's a journalist called Kashmir Hill. She she, I think it was. It might have been uh, one of those websites, not Vice or something, Gizmondo or something, but uh, she'd done a five-week experiment or six-week experiment where she every week she would block one of the big five. Um, so she, she had a, a custom like sinkhole made. Um, uh, okay. So it was basically Amazon, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and Apple. Yeah. So she couldn't use – so for one week at a time – she would not use any product made by those companies, a physical product, and she would not use any service. Good luck. And the services one was so difficult. And I think at the end of it, she spent a week not using any of them all at the same time. Holy crap. And she said it was nearly impossible. She goes, everything, it gets, she goes like, basically, between those five, um, your life is unusable if you turn them off because your phone you you can't use iMessages, you can't download stuff from GitHub, you can't there's yeah. basically nothing you can do. And I think when you put it in context like that, it, it makes it really clear like, you know, you know, it's not just your 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 vacuum cleaners that are at risk. It's basically your entire life, your existence existence is is dependent on the services provided by literally like half a dozen companies. But the the only point people that are sort of pointing and saying "see see" are those with beards and sandals that use Linux, run their own server farms in the yeah uh, exactly in the, uh, well in the middle on, of on their on their homebrew laptops yeah no I I, th- I think the the point is that I I I, uh, I know you know it's uh, in the same context what is the fail fail open concept here so if if uh, Amazon Web Services go down on the broader content uh, delivery platform or what have you, um, what's the alternative? And you know, wh- where can people go? What can people do? Uh, and I think the other. Th- Sorry, go on. No, go on. 
I was going to say, the other thing is, it's a bit like the banks. You know, if, if Microsoft was to file for bankruptcy or get ready to, you know, to go bust, would governments globally bail out Microsoft because it's too big to fail? Probably. Because what, the, you know, as you say, it would be nearly impossible. So, governments themselves rely on services from Microsoft, let alone everybody else. Yeah, they they probably uh, classify them as a critical national infrastructure. Yeah, well, surprise if they don't, they should. The big those five, those big five, probably are. Although Facebook should be struck from the face of the earth, but well, I think that, those guys they could afford to sort of buy each other out. Well, uh, Apple could probably afford to buy all of them. Yeah, in, in cash, <laughs> you know, in in um, in briefcases of cash taken by their head of security. Is that because they don't offer any Black Friday discounts? No, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Buy one Microsoft, get a Facebook free. <laughs> oh dear. So yes, um, East one, US East one is down. Uh, developers around the world took an extra day's holiday as a result. Tweet of the week. Interesting. Yes, interesting, and I think it's time for one of these. You're listening to the Host Unknown Podcast. More fun than a security vendor's briefing. It's all very serious at the moment, isn't it? Have you got something (laughs) a a bit more light-hearted for us, Jav? I do, if you play the jingle. I'll check play the jingle. Billy Big Balls of the Week. So before I go into the this the story, like um I've I've been getting oh, like loads what, of tweets. What did I play the jingle for then if you're not gonna go into the story? <laughs> because it's, just it's, it's, worry, it's, it's, it's related, related. It's related to the jingle. <laughs> okay. So we've got Tons of, uh, like, from our fans, we get lots of feedback every week. And one of the questions they often ask is, what, what qualifies as a Billy Big Balls? <laughs> <laughs> look look down, and if, you, if you've got them, you'll know. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, it's normally so, someone... So what does, what does qualify, indeed? It, it's, it's not an exact science. It's a bit like trying to figure out who the pound-for-pound pound best fighter is. You know, it's, it's just an arbitrary thing. But it's normally someone that's done something uh, quite outrageous, and we say, like, that's a Billy Big Balls move. Uh, so it could be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, it's just one of those but, things. But, but let's face it, we've even done tweets of the week which haven't been a tweet. So, frankly, it's whatever we want it to be. Well, as well. So we know that someone has tweeted that story. Yes. Yes. Someone, somewhere, at some point. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, do go on, sir. So, Aussies, what are they? They are. Every, they're over here, is what they are. No, they're 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 <laughs> they're just British Texans. <laughs> that's hey. the they are. Yeah, that's exactly what they are. Yeah. And we love you, British Texans. Yeah. Yeah. So this story features an Aussie hedge fund. And I know it's really hard to feel sorry for Aussies and even harder to feel sorry for a hedge fund. But <laughs> but some uh, someone had the Billy Big Balls move to go in and fleece $8 million from them. 
And how do they do it? Any guesses? Oh, uh, did they? Social engineering. No, no. It was something to do with Foster's. Well, no. You Did know they the... sell them corks for hats? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they got them to invest in um, US East One alternative backup sites. Yeah. <laughs> hey! Sorry, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, no, no. So it wasn't social engineering. It was a fish. But what it was, it was a fake Zoom invite that was sent. Was it a fish that could kill you? Because that's pretty much what Australia is, is filled with animals that could kill you. Well, let, let's just see how this progresses. <laughs> so it was a fake Zoom invite. And I thought this is like quite clever because, I mean, how many times a day do I suddenly get a notification that I've got a meeting starting in five minutes and I have no idea <laughs> yeah. what it's yep. about? I, I just I'm hope, there with you. I just hope it's not a presentation because I've got no slide deck to hand at the time. But you know, <laughs> it's uh, but yes, uh, one of the owners clicked on it and it uh, gave the attacker access to their email account um, as one of the CEOs or, or founders, uh, and they sent emails purporting to be from the CEO to finance and what have you, saying, "Hey, make these payments to these new clients or what have you." And so they sent out about eight million. The one of the, I assume the guy that's behind it, Mohammed Bhatti, uh, he made, and this is a good banking at, uh, uh, in, in operation here. He made sixty-four withdrawals from one bank where the money was transferred. Um, so, and he went on a, a, a shopping spree as well. He he basically. Um, spent about 800 grand off that money uh, or, or withdrew it uh, before uh, leaving Australia. Uh, the, the other money was recalled back. Uh, and, and this happened about a, a week or 10 days after uh, the original thing because the, the founder logged onto the bank account and saw some some new transactions going out, like, you know, one million here, two million there. To the <laughs> My raise an eyebrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it's a bit like, you know, I can understand you're like, oh, I don't remember going to Costa Coffee that day. What's, it's like £3.50 going out there, and for them it's like one point. But, but it, is a, it is a hedge fund, though, isn't it? It is, it is. Um, but, um, you know, and uh, but so they recovered most of that, that money. Um, they only lost 800 grand. So you're thinking... Happy ending, but no. Sometimes these poisonous fish bite you, and you don't die immediately. I see what you did there. Nice one. Yeah. Uh, the uh, one of their biggest clients, um, they uh, Australian Catholic Super, uh, was one of their biggest clients. They withdrew their entire funds from it, and they forced the uh, the hedge fund to shut down. Wow. Because one client withdrew their funds. Well, you know what it's like. I mean, like, you know, TL2, you know, I mean, like some, a lot of businesses are structured in a way that most of their revenue comes from one client or, or what have you. But I think it's the reputation loss. And and uh, what that does what? also, it signals other funds to say, hey, um, let, let's, let's withdraw money from here. They, they're no good. They can't protect your money. They can't protect themselves. How are they going to invest your money? All that kind of stuff. So this is a case where reputation actually caused the loss. And, and for once, I think every risk professional that's ever wrote 
reputational risk. risk <laughs> yeah. Vindicated that yes, it's true. So, um, so yes, it is true. You can keep on writing uh, reputational risk. Point to this as your example for the next twenty years. Um, and uh, that was this week's Billy Big Balls. And you're welcome. Billy Big Balls of the Week. By, by which I mean you're welcome for the example you can use in front of your board all the time. Yeah, but, uh, right, yeah. You know, there's uh, two things that uh, strike me completely unrelated to um, uh, that story. Firstly is uh, there's a gardener that operates in my area uh, called the Hedge Fund Manager. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice! It's fantastic. It's, uh, yeah, hedgefundmanager.co.uk. Um I do love those pans because uh, we used to use, uh, when I used to live in uh, South London, uh, our gardeners were called Border Patrol, uh, which again, you know, <laughs> and um, he used to turn up the same time as our neighbours had the Lawn Ranger. <laughs> <Which was, laughs> so, I mean, there's some fantastic uh, puns going on over in the gardening industry. Um, I, I I always remember the um, the builders, the Indian builders, who had on their logo. The, or sorry, their tagline was, "You've had the cowboys, now try the Indians." <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love that creativity. Yeah, yeah it's so good. It, there's so actually good. a shop not too far from me. It's, it's a vape shop, and it's called Puff Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that so that appeals to the rappers and the kinksters. <laughs> I'm surprised you actually know who Puff Daddy is, Tom. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, Only because he told me before the show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other thing that reminds me of is there's this uh, great video I saw called uh, Lost All the Money. Uh, and oh, it actually yeah. starts yeah. off by someone transferring money to, uh, you know, a, a fish like this. Uh, you know, someone That's got true. some spearfish and true. CFO transferred. Because the name was was very, very similar. Yeah. Was it, what was the name, Jeff? Ravi Pat Shanmugana Tiru Chalvam. And what should it have been? Ravi Pat Shanmugana Tiru Vim. Only an idiot can tell the difference. Exactly. <laughs> Clearly wasn't paying attention at their security awareness course. No. <laughs> No, they just went for the food. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, this is like the uh, the host unknown players present. (laughs) We're going to have to drop that in the show notes now. Link to that video because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh dear, is it that time yet, Andy? Uh, It is. So it's that time where our reliable sources over at the InfoSec PA Newswire have been very busy bringing us the latest and greatest security news from around the globe. It's this week's Industry News. Microsoft announces Polluton Processor for better hardware security. Industry News. Hashtag ISSE 2020. Focus on 2020's crypto successes rather than efforts to break it. Industry News. NCSE issues warning about expected hashtag Black Friday scams. Industry news. Hashtag COVID-19 drives massive multi-cloud adoption. Industry news. Finds less of a concern than reputational damage for public sector security. Industry news. Home Depot settles with US states over 2014 data breach. Industry news. DDoS attacks against online retailers increase fourfold during pandemic. 
Industry News. Finding codes of conduct to enable post-Brexit GDPR compliance. Industry News. GDPR has had successes. Requires public knowledge of... Industry News. And that was this week's... Industry News. Huge if true. Um... Who was that? Javid's Weekly Story. <laughs> Dude, you've got stories this week. What? Jesus! Up to 350,000 Spotify users targeted by credential stuffers. Industry News. Beware of Black Friday deals that are too good to be true. <laughs> Industry News. Data breach of online kids games exposed personal data of 46 million parents and children. Industry News. Spotify hit by credential stuffing attack. 300k plus accounts vulnerable. Industry news. Broad operation targets Spotify users with leaked database. And that was this week's. Jav, what's a K plus account? Javid's weekly stories. I think that's 300,000. I think you meant it. Uh, um, okay, dude, you actually got stories this week. There was no need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the hell? These Blimey. are the quality stories. These are Glen Gary stories. These are the ones that really will inform. So, is it fair to say that you are quoted in all of those articles that you just read out, which you are now putting into the show notes? I see. <laughs> you, you know what? The, these are just the best stories I read in the week. If I'm quoted in them, that's purely coincidence and not intentional. So There's five coincidences in a row here. And the fact that. The other thing that also uh, is a revelation to me is I really do need to read ahead in the show notes. <laughs> I, might, <laughs> I noticed that as you were talking about uh, being quoted, Tom, I noticed you were quoted um, in a story about Manchester United's uh, cybersecurity incident. I was because I'm known for my football commentary. Well, this is the first, <laughs> that was the first that you like, you know, as if uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a football fan and it's, you know, it's not a com- we don't normally talk about it amongst ourselves, you know. Our, our discussions focus elsewhere but I, I was surprised to see this article um and not just that you know you're crossing over into the football world which is uh you know really the, the area for the stick to uh you know our infosec stick to do I, it. I had to take a shower afterwards i felt a little bit filthy well it, it's not just that it's more the fact that you actually um i believe made a statement so this was about the <laughs> cyber no, well, well, that, uh, you're you're going to hold me to what I said in a in well. No, I, I thought it was a brave statement. move. No, I thought it was a brave move. So <laughs> this is about Manchester United uh, investigating a cybersecurity incident. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Brooke, they actually published it on the, you know via their PR sources as well. Um, so you know, Man United are a, a listed company, and they they put out a public statement. Yeah, well, they have to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but if I find the article, so um, Tom Langford, founder of the security consultancy TL2 says ransomware is a likely culprit. Uh, now, what I noticed is different here is that you've actually nailed your your, uh, <laughs> your, your flag to the mast. You've actually Something gone in a direction and made a statement as to what you think it is. Rookie move, rookie mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that right? Well, I was, I was just thinking in contrast to Jav sort of say, well, you know, it could have been or, you know, what's been popular elsewhere in the industry has been no, X, Y, so Z. And- what, what I've offered is an opinion rather than some vacuous statement. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah just, just checking we know. It, it's no, but it's, it, 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 expert commentary 
and it's meant to educate and inform. You you do none of those. Sorry, but but you educate and inform by ultimately saying nothing. No, 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 no. There's a lot of wisdom behind it, but obviously, like the audience knows. I mean, this Mind is just you, brilliant. That no one knows the details of this, and Tom's just like, "Yep, yeah, ransomware." <laughs> yeah, I'm calling it. I'm calling it now. Call it early. I'm calling it now. Just like I called in another article, I called the fact that we're going to have our first video proper uh, video phishing uh, attack next year using deep fakes. That is my prediction for next year. So it will look like somebody's boss on the screen telling them to transfer money. Well, a prediction is different. Yeah, making a prediction is different. An actual. No, I, pre- I could I've predicted. You, you, you like feeling like Columbo at that moment, like you know, walk into the crime scene, immediately know who's guilty, and then you no, spend no, the whole no, no, no. trying to. No, 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 Jav, 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 just one more thing, just one more thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think in this case, so the I, I think the evidence is forming a picture. For me, it formed a picture of ransomware, and the reason I said that is that they explicitly called out that our media solutions, uh, websites, et cetera, et cetera, are unaffected by this attack. Um, however, you know, there, there has been – there has been something has happened, uh, and we're pretty sure that there's no, um, you know, uh, effectively customer data. I can't remember the term they used on it. So that tells me that one part of the network was attacked, whereas another part wasn't. Uh, the parts that weren't were probably run by someone else completely separate from them, third parties, websites, media, all this stuff that is so often outsourced, right? So chances are the attack was on their internal network, and the chances are that an internal network attack right now are ransomware or just some horrible malware going around. Reality, ransomware. There's lots of chances are, chances are, chances are, which... Yeah, there are, absolutely. Uh, But, you know, the the other thing I I think is is uh, is where you played it safe because you can't go wrong if you say ransomware. And the reason being <laughs> is that yeah, that's right. nearly everything these days from a criminal point of view is uh, cybercrime, is uh, ransomware. Uh, because even if they're not deploying ransomware to uh, – because it's not like 10 years ago where it will just land on the endpoint and it will just encrypt it. They actually go into the organization, then they'll move laterally. They'll actually exfiltrate data beforehand. They'll yeah. try to figure out which ones. There. It is a complete command and control uh, setup now. And when you look at it, ransomware is just a part of the entire. Um, it's one, one element. One, yeah. one element. It's one element. It's, it's a massive platform now. And ransomware is one of the features that is in there. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting how. Um, they've evolved now and ransomware is sometimes just the last calling card it's like the joker leaving his card at the end saying yeah. i was here pay attention to me so that, <laughs> that, i think that's what makes it interesting so so you're right i, I think to say ransomware you, you're probably you know 80 percent of the time you're right 100 percent of the time absolutely and that you know what that's good enough for me that is good enough for me but i think i think what this does mean though is that we found a potential sponsor Ooh. Oh, it has to be. And it's going to be football-related. It is. Uh, I mean, I'll take their filthy money, but, you know, it'll be money nonetheless. Uh, so, yes, I think we have. Host Unknown. Sponsored by... Manchester United. Manchester United Stupid Football Club. 
actually, I nearly said actually, Manchester City then. You, you know what? There's a quicker way to get the money. So Andy's a big football Ransomware. fan. Ransomware. Andy's a big football fan. He probably is a season ticket holder for Chelsea. So instead of buying that, why doesn't he just pay us directly? And <laughs> Then how do I get into the games? <laughs> what do you want to watch those stupid things? Exactly. They, just, they just fall over, clutch their legs like they're exactly. in pain. Someone runs out, sprays their hair with <laughs> hairspray and gives it a quick brush, and off they go again. I mean, come on. It's soccer. It's not football. <laughs> Bloody game of hairdressers. <sighs> not that I've met any hairdressers recently because I don't go into that. Bloody rich hairdressers. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> right, right, right. Let's move on. Um, Andy, I think it's you. Let's uh, let's go to, uh, uh, well, crikey, penultimate uh, thing of the thing, uh, uh, feature of the of the podcast. Rant of the week. So this week's rant of the week has been one which I think everyone loves to pile onto. It's our favourite uh, US person, not the one with the big red button, but the one with all the money in the bank. Uh, and this story comes from Vice, uh, from a Vice article where leaked documents. Uh, from inside Amazon's GSOC, or Global Security Operations Center, um, reveal the company's use of Pinkerton operatives, uh, who are, um, you know, anyone who knows anything about Pinkerton, uh, they've got a history of being corporate goons for hire in America. Um, They're sort of private intelligence. Um, And the, the article goes on to say they were hired to spy on workers and the extensive monitoring of labor unions, environmental activists, and other social movements. Um, yeah, I mean, this article was really, um, it's very sort of anti-union. Uh, I think, you know, it is one of the, the things that they go on. Firstly, there, there's a whole issue about Amazon using intelligence uh, analysts or, sort of, you know, intelligence specialists um, to look for what they perceive to be environmental activists, um, you know, as a threat to their business opera- operations. Um, and other practices they've, they've done is like, in, you know, accused of inserting spies into warehouses. Um, uh, And, I mean, the more you read into this, the more there's, like, this whole history. And it's all very shaped towards Amazon's anti-union position uh, and sort of just constant monitoring of workers. And I think everyone has been, you know, quite annoyed with it. And, And rightfully so. You know, it sounds terrible. Uh, you know, when when you look at it like that, that but very British. Everybody's quite annoyed. <laughs> Everyone's quite annoyed. Uh, gosh, you know, really are quite annoyed. Spat my tea out when I read about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wrunkled my brow. Yeah, my my Gary Baldy was in the cup for too long because I was so stunned. I didn't <laughs> take it out in time. Now the problem is, I think when you actually look at this on its merits. Um, it's right. Obviously, everyone wants you know fairness. Everyone wants to be treated humanely. Everyone wants this, um, you know, this utopia. Uh, and everyone just assumes it because Bezos is you know the world's richest man and has you know two hundred billion. Evil man. Yeah, just like you know, money in his back pocket that could you know basically fund a couple of nation states, uh, which Amazon is. You know, Amazon has been accused of being a nation state in itself. You know, just the, the sheer size and resources got. 
Um, but when you actually strip out the emotion, which is, I know is a, a phrase I use a lot, and actually look at the uh, you know what they're doing. So, how many big companies have intelligence analysts? Um, you know, would you say all of them exactly? So. The fact that they're hiring intelligence isn't really an issue. Um, the fact they identify environmental activists as a threat to their business operations, um, would that not be a fair threat to their logistics and distribution network? Yeah. I mean, it's like um, BP hiring people that work for Greenpeace. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And if you consider like, when they're talking about inserting spies into warehouses to carry out investigative actions to prove or disprove collusion works, um, you know, would you say they're actually looking for factual evidence to take action rather than trusting a supervisor's gut feel? You know, Damn that you, be Andy, and your Jedi mind tricks and getting me to agree with you. <laughs> so other things that, you know, they're accused of doing, stripping workers' rights, is um, workers have to surrender all their personal items before they go into a warehouse. Now, a warehouse where they're handling goods which are going out to the public, what's to say that, you know, they take something, you know, off the shelf, put it in their pocket and say, no, I came here with it? You know, it... We can have these arguments every day, or is it just easier to say, look, this is a high security area, no personal belongings come in or out, you've got a locker out here, keep your personal stuff in there, that way, anything you have in your pocket, you know, as you, there's no discussion about it, you've taken it from inside. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I mean, I'm sure you've been to data centers that are similar as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so something they've really jumped on recently is um, some newly implemented procedures to keep workers six feet apart, uh, which they're saying is to prevent potentially rebellious or labor friendly workers from collaboration. Now, what else has occurred in recent months <laughs> that might require people to keep six feet apart? And what areas would be breeding grounds and have a massive detrimental impact if these rules were not you know followed um so again you know i think it's more the angle that you know people want to hate something and it's true don't get me wrong you know amazon there's so much more they could do um but you know some of the other gripes they've got okay cctv monitors everyone's movements well duh okay <laughs> Yeah, welcome to the real world. Um, giant televisions display people who have been caught stealing and fired, um, you know, constantly on loop around the buildings and stuff. Well, to me, that's, you know, preventative. Uh, you know, it's it's better to prevent, uh, you know, crime. That's a bit Chinese, that, though, isn't it? But, yeah, but I'm pretty sure it's effective. Uh, well, you know, it, it does deter it's some people. It's probably illegal in some countries as well. Well, I don't know. I mean, how many times have you been into your local newsagent shops and they've printed you out... You see yourself on like, TV, yeah. Yeah. Or, or like they said, these people have shoplifted from these kids. You're not allowed back in here again or stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> so the other thing, uh, workers were... It depends. Were they le found to be legally... Uh, guilty or was it just as a result of an internal investigation well funny you say that's actually one of the other um issues people have is that workers can be fired um purely by surveillance tech uh without a human manager actually dealing with it or having a discussion about it um yeah. so i mean to me that that's just efficiencies you know if, if it's that black and white <laughs> Uh, you know, this is a business that thrives on efficiency so other concerns you know workers are individually tracked um, you know, how many steps they do and how quickly they load stuff. And 
again, this is a job that depends on productivity. You know, how are you managing that? Are you going to get someone to manually complete a timesheet or are you just going to record that? Um, and I think, you know, people are instantly instantly on the, Amazon on the back foot, you know, from the very beginning because they, they've got 200 billion. Um, is, is it Amazon has got 200 billion in the bank? Uh, you know, no, that's just, Apple. Oh, that's okay. Well, Amazon are up there. I think. Oh, yeah, we had this discussion. You know, Amazon are up there in the in the uh, top four. Um, and yes, they have done some practices that people find you know, morally questionable. Uh, but there's no doubt they are efficient. Morally bankrupt. Morally bankrupt. They are efficient at what they do. Um, you know, they're very data driven, um, and they have boomed where other companies have gone bust. Um, you know, providing similar sort of services. Um, right. And, you know, what they have done this week also, which wasn't uh, sort of highlighted, is they are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on bonuses for um, Christmas stuff. Um, and it's going to be £300 or $300, depending on where you are, uh, for full-time staff, and £150 and $150 for part-time staff. Uh, for their workers so you know not going to get into the debates of well they can afford it and all that sort of crap because i think that's just a you know a silly argument um, <laughs> but so this week's rant of the week is yes amazon are using intelligence operatives to monitor their workers and work behaviors um, but my rant is don't automatically assume it's just to prevent unions um, you know there are very legitimate reasons for a lot of these practices should you strip out the emotion and look at the benefits of them? Right, I've kept my counsel so far. I know. I knew that you were going to try. You're going to take down every point I've said. And I'm happy to. No, uh, no, I'm not. Okay. I'm not going to take down every point because a lot of what you said does make absolute sense. You know, I to- completely agree. It's a it's a large business that thrives on efficiency and. Um, you know the tracking of people in warehouses and things like that. I think there is there are absolute valid, um, you know, business cases for for that. Things like putting up pictures of people who've been fired, you know, and not only that, but fired by computer. I think is is morally bankrupt. I think that's completely uh, ethically wrong, and potentially illegal in some countries. So I'm sure they don't do that in those countries. The thing that bugs me is any company that do, that goes out to actively um, suppress the organization of uh, unions has got a problem in its hiring and employment practices and its, its employees' rights. I do not believe in unions. I don't think unions are valid in today's society. They were, they were built to protect people from, you know, Bad and dangerous working practices and to ensure fair fair wages and all that sort of thing. Government and legislation has taken over that role in most cases. Uh, not in every case, absolutely, and not in every country. However, um, so, so therefore, when people feel the need to organise a union, it's because they normally genuinely feel they're being targeted uh, or being taken advantage of or being subject to poor working practices, in this case by a company that's big enough to take on governments in the in the law courts yeah. and to actually suppress workers' rights. And I think, you know, they should let these com- these uh, people organise unions, listen to the concerns and perhaps even consider 
paying them a decent wage for what they do. Um, these people are on minimum wage working stupid hours in very physical environments. I mean, it almost is the, the equivalent of, you know, modern coal mining. Um, if you, if you, you know, without wishing to, to, to sort of give way to too much hyperbole, but so I, I think, um, you know, a lot of what you said makes absolute sense, Andy. I think a lot of people's concerns would go away if they felt they were being fairly compensated for what they were uh, doing, though. So, have I mean, you ever, yeah. Have you ever people? Have you ever uh, asked people what they feel is fair compensation? Because I was going to say, yeah, this yeah. is oh yeah, this is all subjective. Um, you know, it is. The, there's a legal requirement absolutely. to pay this amount. Uh, yeah, and that legal report require. I mean, if we look in the US, for instance, the the in the US, the the um the low the minimum wage, uh, basically hasn't gone up since nineteen eighty something like that. It's it's absurdly low. It's something like seven bucks. It, it clearly shows they were grossly overpaid in nineteen eighty. That's all <laughs> I can say. <laughs> but so if uh, so, bear in mind, minimum wage doesn't just impact um, the big people like Amazon, right? So or, once you increase that minimum wage, then all these small uh, sort of business owners that are already struggling to compete with the giants will also have yeah. to increase their staff costs. Yeah, it's 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 this is a three dimensional problem. Don't get me wrong, but I, but I think in this instance, Amazon are doing themselves a massive disservice by trying to crack down on um, the organisation of labour unions. So again, you know, I would just point out on this one. So which, and this is where I was going with it. There's, I've not read anything that specifically targets the organisation of unions. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence that can be put together. And, you know, maybe with all of these things combined, a byproduct of of all of these together is an impact towards, you know, that organisation. But um, there, there's nothing here explicitly that prevents that. No, they, I, I, I get that. And I, I hear a lot of, you know, there's a lot of hearsay, et cetera. It's like when McDonald's cracking down on unions. There was, there was one, there was a, a union that was actually successfully able to form in one McDonald's restaurant in one city. Uh, and so what happened was McDonald's closed down that restaurant, fired everybody, sorry, made them redundant, and then opened up another restaurant on the opposite side of the road. When was this? With new- I can't remember. Because McDonald's don't own, they, they franchise out and it's a very different... Not not, not all of them. Yeah. Some of them Where's are the owned by... But, 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 but also, in many cases, the franchisees are working on behalf of McDonald's, right? They they go to McDonald's for their legal support. They they pay for, you know, legal support, etc. So this was done effectively at the behest of McDonald's. Anyway, that got a bit serious, didn't it? It did. It always does at uh, at this yeah. stage. Yeah, indeed. Well, excellent. Thank you very much for that rant of the week this week, Andy. Rant of the week. We are nudging right up to the hour. Um, are we are we going to do the little people, or shall we leave that for next week? Let's do it. Let's do it. Blimey. Okay, folks, beware. We don't know what happens when we tick over the hour. Uh, so, Jav, uh, let's see. Well, I can't even find the little people at the moment. Um, ah, yes, here we go. So, Jav, let's see. Who have you got for this week's... The Little People.
this week I have got a very, very interesting, perhaps one of the, the more interesting people in InfoSec. It's uh, Trisha Howard, a.k.a. Trisha Kicks Sass on uh, Twitter. And if you don't follow her on Twitter, you should do because she does these absolutely brilliant, dramatic readings of uh, sales emails, cold sales emails. So people send her examples of uh, sales emails they received and she does them in character. She's got this theater background and she's very, very good at it. Anyway, I, I got in touch with Trisha and I asked her, oh, what kind of annoys her about the cybersecurity industry? The little people. Oh, what, you mean other than everything? Um I will say, I think my least favorite part of this industry is just like the egos and security. Like you have the groups that are just super God complexy about it. Like I own everything. And then you have like the super fragile ones that just can't deal with the fact that someone might actually do their job better than them. Um, and especially like fringe groups, you know what I mean? Um I mean, the rest of the community is awesome, but those groups just are crazy. And we have this insane exclusionary culture in security. Like, we forget a lot of the time why we do what we do, um, which is to protect people and their data and, you know, systems and that holds other people's data. I mean, we don't even call them people. We call them end users. Are you freaking kidding me? No wonder nobody cares about security outside of our community. So, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. Like, we forget that not everybody lives this world every day. And it's really, really frustrating. Um, actually, I got into it on Twitter um, a while ago with like a pretty well-known account. Um, and I was really, really disappointed by what they said. Um, I don't know if I told you about this. Uh, oh, wait, you're not recording me, are you? The little people. Good points well made. Very good. I like her. Yeah. Yeah, even that's good. I like about, I like what she said. Even though she was uh, talking about you in the beginning. Well, you know, I mean, we've had our differences, um, and that person she was referring to at the end. What can I say? You know, I apologise. It was it was old Tom, <laughs> as opposed to the older Tom that you are. Yes, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> uh, Tom two point one. <laughs> Oh dear! No, that was good. I like so I like that because there is a lot of crap that goes on in the industry, and it's very rarely called out. Um, so it's good to see that it's it's not you know we're not the only ones who see it. Good, excellent. Well, I think we have come to the end of the show, uh, gentlemen. Thank you very much, as always, for your time, Javad. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. You, yeah. Sorry, you better say something. No, don't do it. Yeah. You know, Actually, um, yeah. And you... No, that's fine. Let's move on. And Andy, thank you very much, sir. Stay secure, my friend. Uh, Stay secure. Yeah, you motherfucker. <laughs> Host Unknown, the podcast, was written, performed, and produced by Andrew Agnes, Jovad Malik, and Tom Langford. Copyright 2015, or something like that. Insert legal agreements here as applicable and binding in your country of residence. We thank you. You know, I have no idea how unions work and what their purpose are. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
That's because you pay all of your house uh, staff a fair wage. <laughs> you know, when I was in, in banking, there was a union there, and I, I wasn't a member of it. And one girl in our team, she was like, no, I've got to be part of the union, got to be part of the union. And she thought he gave us such backing, and she had a dispute. And uh, she called in the union, and even the union sided with the company. <laughs> oh, <ouch>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know you've really screwed up, <laughs> if that's the case. Oh, my God. 